0: All right, happy podcasting day. This is Rachel Vote, and I'm incredibly excited because I have such a special guest with me today. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, I'm not even kidding you. I think like from like episode two, I was like, I have got to have this guest on my show. So I am super excited. I am totally in you know control of making my own dreams come true and so here we are so um I, I will introduce myself in well I mean like already you know who I am I'm Rachel follow me on Instagram vote for parties Facebook I do empowerment classes I have a sex group it's great what I really want to do is just let you introduce yourself so we can get into this so tell them who you are beautiful
1: I am Nikki Lovon and I am from West Des Moines Iowa and you can follow me on YouTube Nikki Lovon I didn't even know you had a YouTube channel why did you tell me <laughs> Uh, Did you have a blog? I kind of blogged a little bit, that's but not a lot. Okay. I've been slacking. No, that's okay. That's okay,
0: because you can tell your journey however. It doesn't matter. So um, uh, Nikki's incredibly special to me. Um, we actually met, God, now it would have been 13-ish, 14-ish years ago, 14, because my son's 13, and I had him the year I graduated, so about 13 or 14 years, so either way, yeah. um, we met each other through Anna, who we were just talking about. Um, Anna and I worked together on campus. Uh, we were both RAs, and we were there early before school started, and you were there because you were part of the cheer squad, so you were also on campus early, and it was just so much freaking fun. We got to hang out with each other. Uh, we I don't think we were doing anything we weren't supposed to do that time. We were just literally hanging out in the dorms, but... We just lived in the apartments, and... Yeah. Do you, can I tell them? The time. Can I tell them about the first time we met? Because it still makes me laugh so freaking much okay so so we're hanging out in this dorm we're hanging out in this dorm and um anna is just like oh my god you guys talking so much great stuff about you and so we're just chilling and out of nowhere you just farted the squeakiest little fart you have i like and you said you said oops (laughs) and and anna goes you can't act like you were surprised when you knew where you were gonna fart and and you had to be there you had to be there but it was just the funniest effing thing that from that moment i was just like this person has to be in my life like i just knew it like um so um, here we are. Here we are. So you were a hooty hoot blast in college. Uh, were you having a good time in college? would you say?
1: Oh my goodness. I think I had way too much fun that I had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, I mean, that's a good way, good way to put it, I suppose. So, um, what we want to share today on this podcast, I mean, par- partial, I mean, I, I don't even know if I'd say partially the reason why you're so special to me because it's really not. You're special from day one. But when, Nikki and I first met, you actually identified as Jerry at that time.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so you want to tell them I a little was, bit about that? I was born in a male's body, and then I have recently transitioned to a woman. hmm As of, I think, five years ago, I socially transitioned. But this year, I finally completed my full transition full transition where I want to be um with myself. So Yeah.
0: Five years ago? Five years ago already. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it doesn't feel like that long. But in college I was
1: just this flamboyant little gay Asian boy.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very much, very much. Which is, you know what I love about you is that who you are sitting in front of me today is exactly who you were in college. Like that's what I love about that is like I, I think that's why I, I'm so drawn to you in in your story because I mean I've I've known several trans uh, transgender people in my life and very close um, honestly even and some people they their story was so much of a struggle rightfully so but there was so much trauma around the who I should have been and who I'm not in this moment even and I'm speaking of one particular friend who was even post-surgery um I just didn't ever feel like he could feel complete the and, and I mean, I'm just making assumptions about the way you feel about your journey and we'll get into it, but, but just the way you carry yourself just the authenticity about who you are and how much it really has radiated everything that you were before as well. is just so beautiful that I wish that this other person had that gift. And, and, and that's why I wanted you on the podcast because I know that there's other people in your community that don't have this feeling and
1: they rightfully deserve it. Definitely. So, I mean, I am part of a like support group in town and I am known to be like the most extroverted person. And sometimes you will come out, come out and reach out to me because like, I'm so open about being transgender and I'm open about like helping others. And, you know, some people didn't have the support that I had at the beginning of my transition during my transition so just being able to share that with someone else it does make me feel good because I do want them to sparkle like me yeah Yeah.
0: yes yeah so let's take them back to uh well let's just start I mean because I've obviously only known you since college so I can only uh, speak to that but as open as you were in college I would suspect that you had notions and inklings about your who you were much earlier than that would you say yes so
1: I would say growing up I always had this different feeling about myself and I knew that I was different I just didn't realize like where or how or what to do so in elementary I used to like feel very feminine I've always felt feminine in my entire life but there was a time in you know in like kindergarten first grade where I wanted to play with girls I wanted to You know, I want to hang out with the girls. I want to play with the girl toys. And everything I was drawn to was very feminine versus the boy toys or anything masculine. And then anytime that I was forced to play with like a boy toy or I would just play with the boy toy or with the boys just to, you know, not get crap from anyone. But like, you know, as a young child, I already knew like I'm in a different body. But I just didn't know what to do with it or who to talk to about it, you know? Yeah. Because it wasn't really, like, a thing to talk about back in the day. And so you feel like... um...
0: So, you knew early on, like you were saying, you knew, I mean, which this is, it would be asked and I not to, but I'm just going to say this for podcaster listeners. You knew you were transgender before you knew what it was, but maybe like potentially the, the closest thing you could assimilate to that we were talking about would be homosexuality. Is that something that, does that make sense?
1: Right. right. So, like in, I think it was like eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, I decided to come out as gay because I already felt the attraction for male. But I was in a male's body when I felt like someone else. So I was like, well, if I like guys and I am then this body, then I guess I classify as gay. So I'd always just, you know, been this homosexual growing up because I never knew like what transgender was or how to, like, you know, that there were people that aren't transgender. And people um, can transition. I didn't find that out until a little bit after college. Yeah, yeah, because I
0: mean, I would still yeah. say it's it's very, I don't wanna say, I mean, the, the positive thing for me is I feel like it's less of a not spoken thing about, but it's still definitely in its infancy in comparison yeah. to some other things, for sure. So, so you classified yourself. You came out. You said I'm gay. Like, um, can can you talk a little bit about like where were you? Because especially your culture is very different than I would say mine, being a straight, heterosexual, cis female, white, no less. Um, so, how was that growing up with family? Like, I mean, they had to have known that you were special from the beginning,
1: too, right? So, a lot of my family members supported me being um, homosexual. So I grew up in, you know, like a tight-knit family, um, Asian culture, and my grandfather would probably say, like, you know, that's not something that you're supposed to be, or that's not that makes us look bad, or something like that. So, like, you know, the typical: a man marries a woman. You were raised to be a boy. You need to be a boy. You need to be a woman. You were born a woman. Be a woman. Sort of that kind of um, mindset. Although my entire family, they've been really great, you know, very supportive about me being who I am. Um, every time I've told them something different, coming out as gay, they said, "We figured it out. We already knew you were, just waiting for you to come out." Um, when I um, identified myself as transgender and started my transition, you know, everyone knew um, that was like coming because I was starting to wear makeup more, more feminine clothing and. I started to do drag. Um, You know, starting drag in like 2008 was probably what really did it for me to finally piece myself together and transition. Because I met people within the gay community, and I was introduced to trans women, and they were telling me about their transition. And I'm like, I feel the way that you're talking. I think that that's what I need to do. So then, you know, I continued to do my own research and talk with people within the community and bam mm-hmm.
0: and here we are <laughs> yeah yes uh, pretty perfect for sure I remember I remember I believe it was a picture you posted on Facebook when you shared the news with your family and I if I if memory recalls it was an elderly gentleman so maybe like a, a, I believe a grandpa that like cried like when you you announced that like out of like yes like that just makes so much sense like it was out of support for you. And it just moved me to tears. It was just so sweet. Um, And everybody should be that way. You know, like, so what if that's what you thought your expectation was growing up, that one thing had to be one way? How about we just love this person the way that they are and see how they blossom? because I remember what you were talking about, like that was right after um, I left college, you started doing the drag. So I missed out on all those really fun shows and stuff like that. But I can remember in college having conversations with, with you um, about hooking up with men and how it was, it was so intriguing because correct me if I'm wrong, but you did have, I mean, we're, it's fine. We, you had a, you had sex with a lot
1: of straight men, did you not? Right. Yeah. Most of the men that I was dating or was seeing or sleeping with, they all identified themselves as a straight man. And at the time, I was still a gay, homosexual, (laughs) (laughs) gay Asian (laughs) Um, at the time. And but most of those men, they looked at me like I was just a feminine person. I had a feminine body and. They were drawn to me because of my personality and not what I had down there. That was kind of like a plus for them at the time. So I mean, yeah, like most of the men in my life that I dated or slept with were straight men.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I was I was always fascinated by that. Always fascinated by that. <laughs> More so because, you know, let's let's talk about identity and preferences for just a second. Because for those of those of you who are tuning in and you may be very new to this community. Um, I'm so grateful you're here because it it is it's such a silly thing for us to even have to consider being a quote unquote issue these days but it still is so the more we talk about it, the more exposure the more understanding I think that comes along with it um, the easier it becomes so, the quick way to have like a really a fast lesson, we would say that your sexual identity is just what Nikki had said, is that when she was born, she was born with male body parts or external features, but felt internally from her source and soul that she was feminine. And your sexual preference would be then in that body or your body, how you identify, it's who you are then attracted to, um, which can be a soul, but can also be body parts. Now, um, I remember, let's say like you remember when Ruby Rose became really popular. So there was this conversation where, um, straight women were saying things like, oh my gosh, like I could probably, I, I do a little, little flipping for Ruby Rose kind of thing. And there was some women who, who didn't identify as straight that took a little of offense to those types of statements saying like, when you say things like that, it makes, it implies that our sexuality is a choice. And I understood that in that moment very respectably and said, that does make sense. Like I could see how the joke would then imply that, you know, because when you work it backwards, it's not, it's not as easy. Like heterosexual women can get away with saying stuff like that. But so anyways, but now, now that I've talked to so many people about sex and I've, I've been able to talk to so many people from so many different walks of life, uh, I would say, I mean, and and I would love for you to disagree, honestly, if you do, but I I would say it's not quite as fluid as people think that it is
1: when it comes to your sexuality. Would you agree? I would agree because there's a lot of transgender women and men um, within the community who, you know, there's still trans women who prefer women, trans men who prefer men, or, you know, they prefer both. My preference is just a cis man. Mm. I classify myself as a heterosexual Now that I have fully transitioned, um, to a woman. So, I mean, like everyone has a different, um, you know. Attraction. Attraction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's that simple. And that's
0: what I think was, to me, I know it sounds almost silly because it's your story, but the thing that was one of the most beautiful things about you (laughs) hooking up with men, straight men in college, was that. It was like, and, and straight men no less, like, the most rigid about sexuality and it's like Uh you're just proving that people are attracted to souls and that's what's most important and like that's why I was like I just let's just tell everybody let's just tell everybody like if you if you don't mind sharing like do you have an estimate of how many straight quote-unquote men that you hooked up with at the time you don't have to you don't have to be like I can't share that I'm just it's more of my curiosity so you can just message me later if you want to.
1: We'll just say I have a handful. <laughs> a
0: handful. Okay, fair. And and was there any conversation ever after that? Like, for I mean, you came from such a place of confidence that I think for you is like, I don't even fucking care. Like, you can say you're straight. We just, you know, I got what I wanted out of it. And I know that I'm a beautiful woman on the inside, whatever. But, like, for them, do you think it ever left them with, like, holy shit, like, am I who I think I am? Or because you were who you were that it was just like, no, that was straight up Nikki. I was having sex with a woman just like I felt like I was. You know what I mean?
1: You know, they never, like, came back and said, like, oh, you made me question my sexuality because we hooked up um, before your transition, you know? Like, while I was still in a male body. So a lot of those guys, you know, they never really, they're just like, I like you for you, and I have fun with you, and I didn't even really care about what you had down there that's great I like that I really do I like that. it was definitely a lot of the connection that I had with that person Mm -hmm. versus just like oh my god you know you have that package down there that's what I want right right absolutely and it wasn't like that with those guys that I were I was with that's awesome
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, so you, in college, oh, my gosh, you were so much fun in college. You were always really confident in college, too. You were already doing the contacts and the lashes by that time. Well, were you already doing lashes by then? No.
1: I didn't eyebrows. Lashes, so I started to, yeah, I started yeah. to do my eyebrows. Oh, my gosh, there's some pictures of, like, bronzer, like, just full face of bronzer. Like, girl, we did not know how to contour back then.
0: <laughs> I don't even think it was quite a thing. We were just, like, making it up. Um, yeah. every single picture, you also had your shirt up so we could see your belly ring.
1: Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I love showing my belly ring and my little, little abs that I didn't
0: have. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. So, um, so yeah, so college and then immediately after college was when you did start doing drag. Um, and so as you had said that that was kind of like a a final piece for you to be able to say like oh well this is making more sense and you were really good at it too like didn't you like you
1: you competed did you not I never competed I just did a lot of like home shows um at one of the home bars and it was kind of just like a side gig for me just like I'm gonna do this for fun because I have nothing else to do and I enjoy dressing up like a woman and I feel pretty and and then I'd go pick up (laughs) trade. (laughs) <laughs> uh,
0: so drag cements this decision for you you find your community you start your process five frigging years ago I can't even believe that so tell us a little bit about that like what what I mean is it different for everybody or is there a similar path that most people are recommended to start with on
1: their journey I would say it's a similar path um so some people socially transition first or some people you know kind of hide it that they're transitioning by starting their hormones and whatnot. Um, I had to start seeing a therapist to make sure that I was a not sound cuckoo. mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to start the hormone process because um, hormone therapy, it is very hard on your body. It's very hard on you mentally and, like I said, your body physically. So, I mean, just getting yourself prepared for all of that is definitely something they look into before they just prescribe you those things. Um, I had my doctor for about a year before he would actually, you know, put me on any sort of hormone therapy. So with my primary doctor and my therapist, they kind of like commute with each other and, you know, she's ready. Here we go. And I had explained to my doctor, like, in 2015, that's when I started to tell, like, all my friends and my family. Um, Some of my family members didn't know because I was kind of, like, secretive about it. And I didn't know how some of them would react to it. But a lot of the people that were close to me within that circle at that time, you know, they started to call me Nikki, um, started to wear more and more feminine clothing You know, I would do more of like a girlier hairstyle versus a male hairstyle in. Uh, So I started that and then the year comes by, my doctor gives me the okay for the hormones and then I was able to finally change my name legally in 2017. So I had been on hormones for, I believe one year. Yeah, it was one year I was on hormones and they finally okayed me to change my name. Mm -hmm. I was able to change my gender marker on my birth certificate. And then in 2018, I was looking into my reassignment surgery and just ways to speed up the process. And I was still having like a lot of issues with like my medicine, trying to fluctuate within my body. And the first couple of years, I'd say I was sick a lot with my hormones, trying to figure out a good balance of estrogen and a good balance of blocking the testosterone that I still was producing. So um, in the fall of 2018, I decided to go under and do a bilateral orchiectomy. So what that is, is where they remove your testicles and that stops producing testosterone. So then my body wouldn't have to juggle the hormones coming through. <clears throat> so then I didn't have any more, um, like a lot of testosterone coming in. So then I could focus on my estrogen intake to kind of find that good balance because I was still having a hard time finding it. And, you know, I was constantly sick. I was either, you know, having cramps stomach problems, um, you know, very bad headaches or just so exhausted, you know, you kind of fall into, it kind of felt like depression at some time because you just didn't know what was going on or what to do. So again, that's why it was very important that I had a therapist and I definitely had a lot of my support, um, through my friends and family to help me get through, you know, my sickness. Um... And then I finally found my surgeon through my doctor. He said that he went to some press conference um, with a bunch of doctors and they had talked about, you know, like LGBTQ clinics and, you know, they were trying to make it more known in the Midwest. And so he ended up meeting my doctor there and he referred me over to her and she's in Madison, Wisconsin. So I was like, you know what, let's, I'm going to take a trip. I want to meet her. I want to see what she can do. Like I, this is the next step. I really want to get this in. So I think, what was it? In 2019, I finally met my surgeon in February and we decided um, that my surgery date was January of 2020 and she told me that I, when I went in for my consultation that I was a good candidate and that, you know, she had a low percentage of complications. And now I'm one of her complication percentages. Oh, no. <laughs> <sighs> so we have this surgery this year uh, in 2020. I finally had my gender reassignment surgery and then I decided to get some boobies with two. I got a two in one special. Sweet. (laughs) And then just in October of this year, I had to go back for a revision because I wasn't doing what I should have been doing, which is dilating constantly. And my vaginal canal closed halfway through. With some scar tissues so that she had to go back in and zap it open, <laughs> but right now we're good. We're dilating, and uh, yeah, yes. That's, so, that's so how that
0: transition
1: happened so fast?
0: Well, it does. It really does feel like it was fast, in my opinion. I'm sure for you it doesn't. It feels like it's probably you know super slow, but it it ultimately did feel like it happened quickly. But I also think that it just made so much sense. It you know like just like your family. It was just like. Oh, yes. Okay. I see that. Oh, yes. (laughs) Right. Like, it just, it all made sense to who you were. So, um, for anybody who might be unfamiliar, as you were talking about, like, so you had your first year of therapy, which is pretty standard. Again, making sure that this is the right decision, knowing the permanency, Uh so on and so forth, your stability and your emotions. And then you start on your hormones. Now, for somebody who is post, let's say, puberty, hormones are a little bit different in terms of like finding that special spot versus like for somebody who identified earlier or had um, what been able to start their journey prior to puberty, it's a tad different, if I'm not mistaken, because before those hormones kick in, whether, um, you know, it's female body or male mm-hmm. body, it's like for, for um, transitioning men, it stops their vocal cords from stretching out, which gives them the deeper voice for uh transitioning women it stops testosterone um, from any of that kind of stuff like like it it basically reverses the process of what would happen is that accurate
1: mhm
0: pretty much yeah gotcha and you um you always had a a more feminine voice anyway so for you did you find any softening when you started taking your hormones Does, i mean cuz i know like for 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 men that are transitioning it's few females. It's a little bit difficult sometimes because those vocal cords don't ever go back. They have to do either vocal shaving or they just stick with what they got. Is that accurate?
1: Right. So with my hormones, I've noticed a little bit of softening in my voice. Um, People say I sound the same. Some people can tell that my voice has dropped a little bit in octaves. Um, And I haven't had any like voice therapy or any shavings done yet. i considering it but I don't know if I want to do that I don't think you need it but I mean every trans person they do have like a a little they're like self-conscious about their voice and sometimes you don't really need to you know change your voice or some people just don't care
0: yeah
1: what their voice sounds like um but for me I definitely think that I have to have that feminine voice because I don't want to get clocked. Mm. And, but yeah, I'd say my voice dropped a little. I would. I would, I would agree. I would. I mean, I, I
0: guess I, I we hadn't spoke spoke to each other. It only been through <laughs> Facebook, so I can't say that. You know, I have much to compare it to previously, but I could see that. I do see that it's 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 uh, it's it's softer, but it just speaks more feminine. I think is part of that. So. Um, What I wanted to ask is because you had said, like, you know, from a very young age, I resonated with, I wanted to play with girls. I wanted to play with girl toys, so on and so forth. Now, you know, through my personal development, what I've discovered that, you know, we become who we are because we we get programmed. We get programmed that way because, like you had said, you had a very strong Asian culture. So, obviously there was influence there. Do you feel like the feminine cues you had picked up on were? were, do you feel like some of those were innate in your system or like you, you resonated more with mom or you resonated more with your, your female teachers? Um, any of that? Can you recall any of that? Um, I'd
1: say I hung out with my cousin who my older cousin and I stuck with her and her brother and I stuck to her a lot. So I'm, I just feel like maybe around being around her all the time and I've already felt that way inside anyways, that it just made me feel better to just be around her as like one of my role models. And so, you know, kind of just seeing the things that she liked kind of draw me to it even more.
0: Yeah. Like that was like, those are the things I want to like too kind of thing. yeah I gotcha cool and then when you
1: see like the guy things you're just like uh, I don't really like that but I'll take the barbie <laughs> <laughs> so there's a funny story that um there's a picture of me when I was very young apparently I'm wearing like little heels and I have a pink blow dryer and I'm in like a cute little onesie like a onesie outfit that matched like a sweatpants sweatshirt or whatever and I'm just walking around the house with this little plastic heel on and the plastic blow dryer you know the little sets they used to sell back in the day yeah like little plastic yeah 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 and then I would cry for a purse and my mom would never give me one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's so we're trying cool. to find this picture because I'm like I need this picture like this is proof like I should have been.
0: Yeah, yeah. I should have started then. (laughs) Yeah, it's that validation for sure. So um, now, as we talked about you, where you were with, like, dating your situation um, there, you were actually in a serious relationship
1: with most of your transition, weren't you? Yeah, surprisingly, out of the blue, like, I was on Tinder, and I was like, I'm not going to date while I transition because I don't know how like this is going to work out or how it's going to play out. But I ended up meeting this guy and it was literally, I had started hormones in January of 2017 and I met him in October of that year. And we dated for about almost two years, close to two years. It was, it was rough because he ended up getting deployed for most of our relationship. And that, obviously, didn't work out. But, I mean, he was very supportive during my transition. And, you know, never once did he uh, treat me like someone I didn't want to be treated. He was always very sweet and, you know, called me by the name that I chose to be called by and didn't care what I had down there. And, you know, he was just very... Um, Supportive in my transition as well. Good. So, like, I had him. I had my friends. I had my family. And I'm like, this is great because it was rough. It was very rough. And I had someone to talk to constantly. So... Yeah. That's good. With him being there, it, it really helped me. Good. So, talk to me a little bit about dating
0: in that regard. So, like you had said, you initially had said, I'm not going to date during my transition. You That changed, which is okay, obviously. But, like... At that time, is it just, I mean, like, I don't, I've never dated anyway. I'm a chronic, like, in, in a relationship person, so I know nothing about any of it. But do you, does, is? I mean, do you just get on there and say, hey, I'm Nikki?
1: Or do you have disclosure on your profile? How does that work? So, when I am dating, I do disclose that I am transgender. Um, so, before, like, I had fully transitioned, I did put, like, you know, I'm not post-op. So people, like, knew. But now that I am post-op, I still feel that I am post-op. I know some people, um, they don't even disclose that they are transgender. Or they do, but they just don't tell them, like, what you they have down there. Mm-hmm. But for me, like, I felt that it was better to do for my safety. Because I don't want to surprise anyone, obviously. And I'm not trying to, like, trap anyone. Um... I would say, like, the reason why I was, like, kind of iffy about dating during my transition is because I didn't want to be with someone who was just there for that sexual pleasure or that fetish or some sort of fantasy to be with someone who's transgender, which I was very lucky to find someone who wasn't about that. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I do um, put my disclosures out there yeah kind of weeds out the ones who are just trying to chase for that fantasy then. yeah yeah
0: yeah that's pretty remarkable i think um in the best way possible for sure um uh-huh. kudos kudos to a really a really positive relationship then uh so as you'd mentioned you guys are no longer together and uh, so you continued to date after that did you take a break what happened after that <laughs>
1: so after we split up i was just like dating around yeah, sleeping around <laughs> you know the scene where they're like you just got to get under someone to get over someone or something like that <laughs> yeah. whatever that thing is <laughs> i did it okay yeah yeah and then i met this guy that i am currently seeing so oh yeah i just saw the post on facebook the other
0: day how long have you been seeing him
1: so, we started seeing each other this year of June, and around June, July-ish.
0: I didn't know that. So. I mean, it's not like it's in my business, but I just, I mean, I follow on the, the book of face, of course. Um, okay, <laughs> so, as I mentioned, like, so, the other person who was really close to me in my life um, was opposite situation born female transitioned into man um had a surgery as well full full surgery both top and bottom um and that's another thing to mention you had kind of touched base about that too whereas this community is so unbelievably special that some people have top surgery and no bottom surgery some do vice versa some do it all some do none of it at all um and it's just everybody's personal preference and their comfort level with their identification right. of their body and soul together is that Accurate. Yep. Okay. Cool.
1: yeah Because it's your transition. It's where you want to go with it. Like some people get feminization, um facial reconstruction done, and I don't think that's something for me. So I feel like my transition is complete. um I, you know, I do bounce and bounce back and forth about like voice training and the travel trafic- what is they called Travical shave. Yeah. I think is what it's
0: called. You think you
1: that? <laughs> But, I mean, you can't really see my Adam's apple, so... No, you've never been able to see yours. So, I mean, I don't know, just little things that are, that I look in the mirror and I nitpick myself, and then I'm like, no, I don't need it. I think I'm done. I was just going to say,
0: so, here's the thing, you don't need any of that, because you are, like, officially a woman already, (laughs) just by standing there nitpicking yourself, just so you know. (laughs) Girl, every day, Uh, I don't ever wear a bra. uh, yeah. (laughs) So um, I've seen that too. So what you're talking about, like the, like where you can have like your cheekbones can be redone, your like, yeah, yeah. even like your forehead bone, cause these are all characteristic traits of quote unquote man versus woman that happen during puberty, your body reshapes and reforms. And so these are things that you can do to, um, aesthetically feel and look more like the sex you're identifying with. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: Like some may have like hair implanted at their, you know, Hairline to make it look fuller, like a woman, mm-hmm. or they want it to be lower because they're for to cover their forehead or whatnot. Yeah. So I mean, it kind of just depends on that person. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen a lot of different um, people go through different transitions, and it's very interesting to see because not one transgender person is the same. We're all different in many ways. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um. <laughs> Yeah, like we're different from who we like, how we identify as ourselves, and what we want done. Like I know one person, like they have everything else done, like they got their top, they got their orchiectomy done, but they don't want anything else because they're beautiful to themselves. And I'm like, that's all you. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. However, you feel the most comfortable. Now, mm-hmm. so uh, with my when my friend, uh, well he. He's already post-surgery, I'm pretty sure. No, no, I think I lied to you. He had top surgery. He did not do bottom surgery. That's what it was, because I was learning about bottom surgery, and I was very fascinated because I was already in the pure romance role. So it, the video specifically, it was just like uh, like a computer-edited video where it was, um, let me get it right, so it would have been male-to-female transition because it was basically showing how, like, if there's any men listening, they're not going to want to necessarily listen if they still have a penis, uh, slice (laughs) down the bottom, you roll it back basically to form the labial lips. And then like the tip of the penis then like gets basically added back into the body to kind of simulate, simulate your
1: clitoris. Is that accurate? Pretty accurate. Yeah. So it's like, um, like your head of your penis becomes like your, um, the head of your clit. Right. And then most of it, like, your skin and stuff from your shaft is, like, typically around your lipia. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, and, and not even specifically, like, I, I, like I tell, you're welcome to tell me, like, this is off, I don't want to talk about this, Rachel. I'm just more curious, like, because I just think it's just fascinating if you think about, like, how, I know it's not, hear my heart when I say easy. But how easy it really is to manipulate some cells on a body, and that's all it ever was, was that that was just the way the body decided to grow, which has nothing to do with the person inside. So for us uh, to see how similar bodies really are when they're still different I know but they're really not like it's I was teaching that in a class not too long ago where if you think about like head of the penis versus clitoris testicles versus ovaries like breasts are still breasts on both sides so you know you prostate then you have g-spot like they're not really that different they're not that different (sighs) I would agree
1: yeah people are just silly they're
0: just silly is all it is is silly (laughs) um so and the, the other thing that you mentioned so you're talking about like for the surgery what the what they're able to do for you is they were basically able to create a vaginal canal and the, the um, dilation is important because because it's not a quote-unquote I don't like to say this but quote-unquote it's, it's I have to say a man-built vagina if you want to say vaginal canal the dilation's important so that those uh the muscles and everything don't end up in collapsing on within each other because it, it will otherwise is that accurate too
1: Yes, and your, like, our pelvic muscles down there are not used to being open because we don't have, like, you know, ovaries and a uterus and stuff down there that, you know, Mm -hmm. like a typical cis woman would have to help keep that area open. Yeah. And plus the skin, um, because the skin is used from parts of my shaft, I believe. Like, I mean, it's still stretchy, but if you don't stretch it out for so long, Mm -hmm. then it shrinks. Mm Mm-hmm. So you don't want to have that close up either. Yeah. So dilation, is that a daily task? Um, for me right now, I'm doing it three times a day because I just had my revision. Uh, but typically, like after so long, you don't have to dilate as much. I know some people still dilate on a daily, but just like maybe once a day mm-hmm. or maybe a couple of times a week or so. Yeah. But for me right now, I am at three times a day. Three times a day. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta do it for this expensive vagina. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You paid
0: for that thing. Um, Okay. So, dilation is required. Like, well, and is that,
1: I would assume it's for the rest of your life, yes? I would say so. Right now, I'm still healing. So, maybe after I'm done healing, it won't be as a necessity. Because then I could get to use it, you know. Well,
0: that's what I was going to ask you, have you had
1: penetrative sex yet? Um, not after my revision. So I'm supposed to wait two months before I can do that. But you had before, after the January surgery? Yes. Yeah. And that, that hurt. I, I bet. I bet. I bet. It was it a different feeling. Like, it was a good feeling, but it hurt. Yeah. But yet, um, my canal was not stretching open like it should have been Mm -hmm. so I think that's why it hurt the most because it was slowly closing in and I didn't realize it
0: oh sure 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 um and one thing that I have heard is that just because of the nature of the body like it, it tends to be a little bit more shallow is that true have you heard that I haven't heard that I don't know it makes much difference anyways I mean like on a cis female body, the best feeling is the first one to three inches. Anyway, just so you know, <laughs> all that other shit just wasted space back there, so it doesn't matter. <clears throat> so, um, do you feel like have your your um, your bedroom preferences, like what you like in terms of pleasure, has that changed during your transition? No, no, pretty I similar. Like,
1: I like everything the same. Really?
0: Maybe maybe you'll, do you feel like with more experimentation or uh, after like dilation, you're cleared to go that you'll discover some new things?
1: I mean, I discovered how to orgasm as a woman, and that's probably like the best feeling ever. I'd say it's better than an orgasm from a male's perspective. What? Let's talk I- about that! Because, like, as a woman now, I'm, like, it's, like, a body orgasm. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, like, your whole entire body is rushing. Versus, like, when you were, when I was a male, that ejaculation was, like, a couple pumps and you're you're out. This is fascinating. Yeah, and now I'm just, like, "Ah."
0: Yeah, I mean, because I would, I mean, I would, I would. I would agree. I mean, that's what I think discussion throughout with women. That's exactly what it is. Like, you talk about even like clitoral orgasm versus vaginal versus nipple versus G-spot or whatever, and they're all different. So tell me how that works. Like, because you have the tip of the penis has become the clitoris, which for um, cis women is ten eight to 10,000 nerve endings. Tip of the penis anyway is incredibly sensitive, too. So they take as you said, you you're think you think that they took the um, portion of your shaft and made that into the vaginal canal. So, like, th- th- basically, you have all those nerve endings
1: are inside there. Is that what it is? So, I mean, like, I'm not really sure how they do the vaginal canal. Yeah. But I do have feeling. Yeah. So, they don't guarantee you to have feeling in your vaginal canal. But I most definitely have feeling because anytime something's in there, I feel it. Yeah. On my wall. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that stimulates me. I'd say more of like the clitoral hood area is right. what really stimulates me.
0: This now. is so intriguing because for cis women, it's like roughly seventy to eighty percent they have to have clitoral stimulation to have an orgasm. Vaginal penetration is ninety nine point nine percent never enough, um, mm-hmm. and even you know orgasm through vaginal canal is incredibly rare by itself. So, I mean, I think the thing that I'm fascinated with is because like how how does the body go from one experience of an orgasm to another that way? Because as you're saying, so like ejaculation is that. Like I feel I feel like there's two parts to it. So let's let's get into this real quick, okay? Because so ejaculation is not the orgasm and a lot of people don't know that. Like ejaculation is ejaculation and orgasm is combined in there. And I actually teach people how to kind of separate the two, especially if they have partners with a penis that Maybe um, they don't last very long, so they can they can eliminate you know the loss of an erection if they eliminate the ejaculation portion, but a partner can still experience the orgasm. So I believe that female bodies, women's bodies, are the same in a sense that um, you have an orgasm, which is typically what most women are having, but they have female ejaculation, which is actually rare, and that's a different thing. And so it's not different than orgasm and ejaculation for male body versus female body so that's what I I assume that you're kind of experiencing more of
1: what does that sound accurate maybe it does because like yeah yeah now that I think about it yes yeah because you know pre-op that's how I would have felt but now post-op like that's definitely how I feel awesome. with that Orgasm.
0: So, can you recall, like, for for orgasm with with a penis, like, where do you feel it? Is it penis that you feel it, or did you don't like? Because you're as you're describing accurately, now you feel it more body sensation, which is totally let me get TMI for that's totally where I feel it too. So I'm just trying to <laughs> compare the two.
1: I would say it's more of like the shaft area is where I would have felt it. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But now it's more of like. Your pelvic, your pelvic knee. region, yeah. It's like above the um, vaginal canal, like, in the middle, like, of my clitoral head. Yeah,
0: yes, that is, I would, I would agree. So, um, prior to surgery, um, preferences, like, did you have a lot of partners <laughs> with backdoor play? Did you engage in that a lot?
1: I was only with one person during that time because I was dating him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, it was it was
0: backdoor play. Backdoor play. So are you pretty familiar with prostate play? I mean, I wouldn't
1: say I was familiar, but I was a bottom girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I, was. I mean, I, I assumed, assumed as much. So did you, do you feel like you were able to have a lot of prostate stimulation?
1: I did get off with him inside me that way. Yeah. Okay.
0: W- would you compare that more similarly to a clitoral orgasm now or still more of like a penis type of orgasm?
1: I haven't done anal since being post op, so I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. I'll experiment with that. You, yeah, you should totally report back to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling it's just it's it is curiosity, of course. But I'm telling you, Nikki, I, I I'm believing in more and more in my heart that like it just is leading to us how much more we have in common than people really give us credit for. And the fact that we're so divided over this conversation about body cells and how people choose to feel on the inside is just asinine to me. I just, I can't believe we're having that conversation in 2020. It's just, it's sad, Mm -hmm. sad. Don't like it. Okay. So I mean that it helps open up eyes. It does. It does for sure. It does. And that's, you know, why we're doing the podcast. So hopefully you can see, you know, one, if it's somebody that you know in your family that you love, like how, how moved they can be to be their authentic self just like Nikki has been able to be for that um, cuz we said you know, I my my other friend I can't even well I can, we're not friends anymore unfortunately and <clears throat> I mean it goes without saying has nothing to do with that this person has just made incredibly poor choices with their life and <clears throat> I can't stand behind that um but like I'd mentioned, his story is so different. It, it would be almost the exact opposite of yours. He was adopted. So like he already was working with that shame. He actually had a child as a woman. So he grappled with so much of that identity issue. Um, and he identifies, um, you know, being attracted to straight women. So that also threw in a mix of things that were just so complicated. Um, but instead of seeing how wonderful that made him, it was like, he always felt like he wasn't enough and he was a monster. And I just, I mean, I could go on and on, but it was just, it was, it was, it was just heartbreaking. It just, I'm so moved by your story because it's just, it's such an inspiration that I hope that other people can just see, regardless if it's about being trans or being cis, like how good it feels just to be who you are.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important part is be you yeah find out who you want to be and go for it Mm -hmm. I had to tell myself that like I had to put all judgment aside and just do what I wanted for once and not what my friends may think what my family may think so yeah that was just kind of like a bump in the road for me yeah
0: yeah having as much support as you did do you feel like
1: was there ever a time where you questioned anything at all never good Because I like, I've already had that mindset of what I wanted, so I was like, if you're not going to support me, then I'm going to go to the next group of supporters and get support from them. It's amazing. So, but luckily, I've always had lots of supporters that stuck around, and they're still around for me today. So, whoop whoop!
0: Even through Facebook, we still here, bitch. Uh, So,
1: what does the future look like for you? Like, what what would you envision for your life? Well, I just auditioned for a show, so hopefully something happens with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because remember, priority number one is your face will be on TV. That's what that's about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first television appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Way past due. Way past due. Oh, Lord. Yes.
0: <laughs> so that's top priority. What's What else is on your list?
1: I wouldn't say it's top priority. I think it's just continuing to find who I am and... <clears throat> find someone to settle down with
0: yeah do you see children in your future that's
1: debatable yeah like I like them but I don't know if I want them to be my own
0: you know what I love about that is that <laughs> as an interviewer the question probably was perceived on whether or not it had anything to do with the fact that you were transgender but that was just like no I just don't
1: really like kids which I freaking love even more <laughs> I mean, at first, there was a time in my life where I was like, I'm sad because I can't have kids. I want to have kids with the person that I love. And then now I'm just like, I don't know if if that's for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's okay. They're a trap. Don't worry. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Of course I love them. Yes. Okay. So some really cool stuff for sure. Now, for anyone... Let's let's say to parents first. So any parents who may be in a situation where they are looking at their child going, Yep, yeah, this is definitely, you know, different than the way I was raised. This is definitely is it, their signs exhibiting regardless if it's transgender, lesbian, gay, whatever, it may be it's it's differing from their point of view, which is making them feel a certain way. What could you tell parents to, to how to see their children right now?
1: I would say <clears throat> help them find that inner self of them guide them to what they want if they're telling you one thing look into it and don't have any doubts don't try to push them to be somebody they are not because that kind of helps or not help that kind of like messed with me with like dysphoria because I was you know told to be someone that I didn't want to be yeah so I mean just support the child and if they want to do it, look into resources. Definitely see those counselors. People will say, I don't need to see a therapist or a counselor. But let me tell you, it has changed my life. I agree. And it's just a nice person to talk to, someone who's not biased. And, you know, they may give you a different perspective from, someone else
0: no content could be found yeah, I would agree with that too. an outside perspective third party not attached to your life in any way shape or form so they don't care uh-huh. what your decision is the um, yeah, I would agree with that too. everybody I believe can b- benefit from talk therapy too um, it's crazy because like when you say like you know like let them be who they are it's like when we become adults it's like we don't even Remember, We don't, really. Like, I mean, our first memory forms around two or three, some of us earlier, some of us later. But it's like we don't remember that we knew who we were at that time. Like, there's no arguing how we feel. But... As parents, I think it's out of efficiency sometimes that we just, like, try to direct, like, very easily we could say, as a mild comparison, like, Mommy, I have to go to the bathroom. No, you don't. You can hold it. We'll be home soon. Mommy, I'm hungry. No, you're not. You can wait. You just had lunch or whatever. So we force our children off of their internal guidance systems that were already innate to be there to show them who they are meant to be. And I think that we forget that. Like, you know, like, we make jokes like, oh, that two-year-old's so bossy or whatever. But it's like, no, that person came here with a personality. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with just letting them figure that out, right? Like, I just love when I see little boys in rain boots and tutus and little girls, you know, with short haircuts uh, for that very reason. It's just... Let them, and and what happens if it's just because she saw a short haircut on G.I. Joe once and she thought it was super cool and then she grows up to be the most feminine woman you've ever seen. You just don't know. So what's the harm in letting children um, explore that? Mm -hmm. But I would also say to even provide empathy, right? Like if we allow our children to be whoever they want, when they see people however they are, it won't be quote unquote abnormal to them. It'll be incredibly common to see so many walks of life.
1: Yes, I would agree. Mm,
0: good. All right. So the last thing I want you to share then is um, for any person who may be resonating with anything that you're talking about today, what, would, what kind of advice could you give them?
1: Um, find someone within your community to reach out and don't be afraid. You can reach out to me. Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. Instagram and you can find me on YouTube. So, I am always open to questions from other people. I always get a lot of inboxes from other trans men and women um, asking about like how my support has been and what I did or who is my doctor. What would they what would I recommend? I'm not going to recommend anything. I'll tell you my experience and then you can kind of make your own judgment from there, but yes, I'm always here to help another person if they're struggling with something because it is a tough road to go down by yourself. If you don't have anyone yeah. or if you don't have any guidance, so yeah, definitely just seeking out and don't be afraid to reach out because I know some people shelter themselves and that's what makes it even more hard on someone who's trying to transition. And yeah. that's where like suicide and the depression and stuff kicks in and definitely don't
0: want to go down that road yeah yeah I would agree um and the bare minimum like if you're not ready to talk to somebody find tv shows read books anything that has representation of your community because the more you see that the more comfortable you become because it becomes more of the normal of that every day. So you don't feel so much like an outsider or a minority, um, which you're not, you're not. There's just so many out there that just didn't know that they could be this. And, you know, I just, I predict like in 20 years from now, nobody will have a damn label because there's just gonna be too many of them. Like we just can't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it'll be the best thing ever, okay? Uh, so I, I truly want to thank you for the bottom of my heart for being here today. Um, it was so enlightening for me, and I feel like with all ego aside, I feel like I'm a pretty good ally. So to still continue to learn things is just overjoy for me um and I do hope that people reach out I hope that they were inspired by your story today uh and make sure that they share because it makes you beautiful if you didn't already know okay um and I really hope to have you back especially to see what you're doing what's going on with your life and keep us updated on on especially this 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 tv show you big hot shot
1: Yes, I'll let you know if I make the show, and it was my pleasure. <laughs> good. And thanks good. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I love Henry's story.
0: Yes, yes. And, well, it's a beautiful story, so it should be told, to say the least. So, uh, everybody, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure that you love just about every single human being on planet Earth. As you can see, we all have stories. We all come from somewhere, and we're really all connected. So, uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast, and we wish Anderson, actually McGovern, and all the love in the world while she is taking care of baby Harper uh, post Baby, I don't know what I was gonna say about that, but anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. Stay happy, stay healthy, and wash your hands. Goodbye.